today I have the pleasure of introducing you to Kelly Noonan-Gores, who is truly a very remarkable young woman. She's had a career in entertainment that spans over 20 years, and about seven years ago, she decided to transition into writing, directing, and producing, and at the same time started Elevative Entertainment with the intention of creating conscious media that informs, inspires, and empowers. And our no, I know our listening audience uh, is very attuned to that. She also produced and uh, helped direct the film Heal, which uh, became really her greatest passion in, and her life's work. Uh, this award-winning film then led to a book of the same name called Heal, which was just released uh, just a couple months ago. Kelly, I uh, am very pleased that you could join us today. And what caused you to uh, produce Heal? Were you on a personal healing journey, or was this something different? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Pleasure to always talk with you. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, so Heal was definitely, um, it, you know, a lot of people assume that it was, you know, spawned from a personal healing journey or, you know, perhaps losing someone close to me to a devastating illness, but in fact it wasn't in my case. Um, it was just, it was like a calling. I had this, like, inspiration in my heart um, that started about maybe 2008, and I had this idea to make this film. And essentially, you know, I had spent 10 years, you know, before that kind of diving into the world of self-help and trying to kind of get to know myself better. And, you know, I, I was in college, um, and someone handed me the book Return to Love by Marianne Williamson, and it kind of just, like, shot me on this path of spirituality and, and consciousness, and I just wanted to discover more. I wanted to understand how everything worked. I wanted to understand quantum physics and energy and law of attraction. And um, really the the main drive was, you know, really feeling it really resonated with me that we were co-creators with life, that we weren't victims of life um, or victims of fate or destiny, but we actually had free will, and that free will allows us to respond to life. Um, and that we are energy and that, you know, the energy that we put out there through our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions, and our actions, our behaviors, um, that's kind of the energy that, you know, co-created with life. That's what, what attracted and, and drew experiences and people into our life. So I was fascinated by that whole topic. Um, and, you know, all of the teachers that I put into HEAL, which are people like Deepak Chopra, Bruce Lipton, Marianne Williamson, Joe Dispenza, Michael Beckwith, the list goes on. They were all people that really woke something up in me, empowered me, inspired me through their teachings, and I wanted to put them all in one film to give a coherent message to people, cohesive message to people that, you know, our minds really have a powerful effect on our not only our health but our lives, and we do have 
more control over our lives and our health than we were taught to believe. And, you know, as it relates to health, you know, um, I saw the movie The Secret, and, you know, obviously it resonated with me on a deep level, and I started practicing some of the things that they talk about in the film, and my life kept getting better and better because of it. So it was not only resonated with me, but it was proving to be true in my life. Um, but the stories that stuck out in The Secret most to me were the one of Norman Cousins, who healed himself through laughter, um, and the other woman who healed herself from breast cancer in, you know, a matter of months by watching funny videos. And I just thought, wow, you know, this is so powerful. We can really, you know, our, our attitudes and our beliefs um, can really affect our health in a positive way. So that's that's how it came to life. And, and um, you know, all my teachers said yes, and, and it was able to come together. Well, that is, that is, uh, it is a, a blessing in life that, uh, that you listened to your intuition, listened to the calling in your heart, and, uh, clearly having that passion behind you, uh, enabled you to, to create what you have created. Um, the film Heal, how long has it been out now? Um, it has been out. We released it in December of 2017. And, um, yeah, like you said, the book was released October, so it came out two years later. And the film, I've seen now that the film has been uh, translated into several languages. And the book is now in, I think, in maybe 23 languages or more, and just continues uh, to expand all over the world. Um, There's a universality to the subject of healing, and you talked a little bit about uh, that we are not, we're not victims of, well, basically like we're not victims of 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 unchangeable genes within ourselves. Can you address a little bit about that? Yeah. So this was kind of one of the big, you know, it was fuel to the fire. Um, When I read a book called The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, um, he talks about the science of epigenetics. And epigenetics basically says, you know, we have our genetic information, we have our DNA, which is a blueprint that's passed down through the combining of our, you know, chromosomes. And um, so we have our blueprint, but our lifestyle choices and our beliefs actually determine which genes are turned off and on. So we've got the blueprint. We may carry a gene for cancer if one exists. It's still being debated. Bruce Lipton isn't so sure. Um, But we may have the genetic predisposition, but if we are making healthy lifestyle choices, if we have positive um, belief systems, that gene may never turn on. The likelihood of that gene turning on um, is much less. So so we can really affect, you know, our health and, and the expression of good genes and bad genes through our lifestyle choices, um, and that is the science of epigenetics, and it's fascinating and also very hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Um, I know that uh, we have, of course, Western allopathic medicine, 
Um, we have Eastern medicine. Uh, is this, does the, the film, in the film and also in your book, do you talk a little bit about how they can work together to treat the whole body? Yes. So, you know, we talk a lot about mind-body connection, which, and holistic healing, which, you know, a lot of people may prejudge as being kind of anti-Western medicine or a little woo-woo, but I was very careful to really back everything up with the science um, and show how kind of new sciences are are really supporting ancient uh, methodologies and ancient and traditional medicine. Um, so we are big advocates. You know, Western medicine has a very big place in health and healing, but um, it is best served for acute illness. Um, so, you know, that's we're talking about like drugs, interventions like drugs and surgery, you know, in 95% of the time, um, they're the most useful with acute acute illness or emergency medicine, you know. So they talk about in the film, you know, if we get in a car accident and our femur is sticking out of our leg, you know, we don't want to rub herbs on it and, you know, do acupuncture on our neck. We we need, you know, we need surgery, we need drugs, we need pain medication, et cetera. So Western medicine has its place. Um, if we are in late-stage cancer, there's a woman in the film who got diagnosed with stage four cancer, um, and she didn't, you know, she was raised in kind of alternative holistic medicine uh, thought, and so she was resisting doing the Western treatment of chemo and radiation, and her brother was like, look, you are stage four. You need to bombard it with, with chemo and radiation. You need to bring in the big guns. So she ended up treating, going through the Western course of treatment, but simultaneously, supporting her immune system by doing um, all the other holistic treatments. So um, we really show how Western and Eastern um, or holistic medicine can uh, complement each other and how we, we can't just, you know, especially for chronic illness, we can't just come at it with a pill. We need to support, because uh, that's not sustainable, the pill will, you know, create imbalance in, in many other systems in the body through its side effects. Um, but in emergency, you might, you might need a pill. You might need a medication to get you over the hump. But the, the main message is, you know, if you take a Western course of medicine, um, whether it's acute or chronic, um, you need to support your immune system and the natural healing mechanisms of your body uh, with you know, the mind, body, and spirit, the holistic approach, as well as the physical and Western approach. It, it sounds like that there's a, like an extraordinary healer within us all. And is, is that something that you uh, feel the, the film and the book uh, give to people, a recognition of that? Yes, and I liken it to, you know, we forget... Um, when we get a diagnosis, when our body is, when we get a, you know, diagnosed with a disease or we're presenting with, you know, very, you know, symptoms that are, that are really affecting our life in a negative way, we turn, we tend to turn towards the body as the, as the problem, um, as the enemy. And really symptoms are a conversation. The body 
is designed to heal in every moment. And we see that, you know, when you're a kid and you scrape your knee, you know, your your mom showers it with kisses, cleans the wound, and then what does it do? We do, we just put a Band-Aid over it and let the body heal on its own. Um, when you break a bone, you go to the doctor, the doctor sets the bone, um, and that's all they do. And then what does the bone do? The bone and the intelligence of the body fuses back together, regenerates, rejuvenates, and becomes strong again. So the body is is built in with this intelligent, amazing, extraordinary healer. Um, and what happens is we are getting in the way of it being able to do its thing. And what we're we're under chronic stress these days, which shuts the immune system down. It gets in the way. It disrupts this healing mechanism. Um, we are inundating our body with toxins, which again are getting in the way of these natural processes where your body is trying to clear itself out through detoxification and elimination systems. So um, I just wanted to everybody to know, like, we are designed to heal in every moment. Our bodies are extraordinary. They're intelligent, capable of doing, I mean, and so resilient. It's just we're bombarding ourselves with stress and toxicity, and we need to help our bodies, and we need to look at symptoms um, and imbalances as feedback, as a conversation going, hey, this rash, this, you know, this breakout on your face or your chest, that there's, that's a signal that something isn't going on in your body and you need to make different choices. You need to find the root cause of the symptom. You don't just need to put steroid cream on the symptom to make it go away. You want to see, okay, this is a conversation. This is an alarm bell going off to alert to a deeper problem. Let's get to the root of the problem, fix that, and then the rash will go away on its own. For for our listeners, do you have um, uh, you mentioned like the root getting to the root cause? Um, do you have a formula for them or for yourself of when something appears or you feel something to allow yourself to get to that root cause? Yeah, I mean the formula for me, if it's something that is you know more complex than a headache where I can, you know, get quiet and, and and retrace my steps and go, okay, this is what I ate, this is what I did, I haven't drank enough water, I didn't get sleep for the last two nights, I'm extremely stressed. If, if you know, if, if the symptoms or the imbalance that's presented is <clears throat> a little more complex than a, than a headache or something that you can retrace your steps and figure out the root, um, I always suggest seeking medical advice getting the proper tests run on your blood um, or urine or whatever, you know, whatever that course is, but through um, a functional medicine doctor or an integrative medicine doctor, someone who, or a naturopath, you know, whatever, whatever you feel inspired to pursue because, you know, you want a doctor that doesn't just prescribe a pill. You want a doctor that takes extensive tests Test for sensitivities, tests for toxicity, um, and, and it, you know, takes into account your diet, takes into account the amounts of stress in your life. You know, they need to address you as a whole person. And a lot of traditional allopathic doctors, um, you know, they're they're kind of restricted by a system where they have to, in order to make money, they have to see 
X amount of patients a day, and they're bogged down by all this paperwork and, you know, for the health insurance companies, et cetera. So we're in a system now that are restricting doctors from treating the whole person. They literally only have 10 to 15 minutes with each patient, so, you know, they can't really dive deep to get to the root cause, so they just assess based on their knowledge and expertise and then give a pill to give the patient immediate relief. Well, that's not getting to the root cause. So you really want to seek out someone that has um, the space in their practice and, and a way of practice, a methodology that takes into account and gives you the time that you deserve so that you can, you know, process of elimination and testing get to the root cause. That makes total sense. I know I uh, I had experience of uh, uh, not feeling well and uh, uh, went to a, a, a doctor who was a f- former uh, emergency room doctor for 18 years, uh, and he also uh, is a naturopathic doctor, and uh, he was able to do some tests and found that... Um, my adrenal system was not working as well as it could. He gave me some homeopathic drops, and uh, my kidneys were not functioning at full capacity, and I was having kidney stones, and he gave me something for that. And I've been uh, amazed. I've just been so fortunate ever since that uh, I've never had any symptoms uh, after that, and it just it changed my whole being immediately yeah thank god you know (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) um you mentioned uh uh laughter and healing um and i i think one of the things that uh if i remember correctly from the book is that you said it's it's our divine right to be happy Mm. amen yes I think so, and I and I whoever coined the term or the uh, phrase "laughter is the best medicine" maybe maybe onto something because you know as a lot of the experts in the film and book point out, you know it's impossible if you're laughing. It's impossible. It's like you can't feel pain while you're laughing. Like it's, it's they're mutually exclusive. So um, and that's what Norman Cousins discovered as he was healing from. And I can never say the word. It's like ankylospondylitis or something. It's like a crazy <laughs> medical term. But um, it's, you know, it's a degenerative disease that supposedly has no cure. And he found that when he was watching comedic videos, um, he would it would lead to, you know, minutes and then hours of it had an anesthetic, um, anesthetic effect. So he couldn't feel pain while he was laughing. So I just think that's brilliant. And, you know, you feel so buoyant. You feel lighter when you're laughing. Um, and that releases that laughter, those, that, that positive emotion then releases, um, really positive and healing brain chemistry from your brain. It releases hormones and neurochemicals, um, that actually enhance and speed up healing. So I just, I love that, that it's backed by science, but it's, you know, it feels good. I, uh, I I think uh, I, I find, like you said, when when you experience when you have the opportunity to to laugh, uh, to be in a state of joy, um, 
to be around people that are uh, who, who with whom you you have something in common and they uh, they too uh, are are fun to be with and funny. Uh, you you come away with just a whole different feeling than when it's in a stressful situation. Uh, so I I think. Uh, you really hit upon something, and Norman Cousins did as well, that, that laughter is almost the best healer of all. I agree. Writing a book is often daunting and challenging, and I know we have uh, many people in our listening audience who would like to write and some who are authors. Um, would you share a little bit about uh, your journey and what it was like? Yeah, you know, um, we kind of did it backwards. Usually people write a book first and then it becomes a movie. Um, but we we made the film first and then, you know, in a conversation I had with you, you said, you know, you should think about writing the book. And, and so that's, that's what we did. And I thought I kind of had this expectation that it would be a very pretty effortless process because we already had the foundation of the film and, I've always wanted to write. I love writing. So, you know, we take that template from the film, and then I can just add some flowery meat and, and add some more, you know, quotes and, and expert wisdom um, that I wasn't able to put in the film because, you know, a lot ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, so I was excited. And then I embarked on the thing, and I was like, wow, this is much harder than I thought it would be <laughs> because, A, nothing, you know, it doesn't necessarily – Film is such a visual medium, and it doesn't necessarily translate to the page. Um, so it was it was a little it was more difficult than I thought. And then near the end, as I was finishing the book, I I kind of marked out a month of my time where I wasn't going to do any kind of interviews or appearances, and I was just going to focus on really polishing the book and finishing the last couple chapters. And of course, you know, a week into that month, I'm I discovered I was pregnant, um, and that sent me, you know, sent me back uh, because of the the first trimester. I was super nauseous, so um, it was just so interesting to me because, you know, I've always wanted to write. You know, I was so I felt so grateful that I had this opportunity to write, and you know, a publishing deal based based on the success of the film, and. Um, but it was still just like, wow, there's a lot of work, a lot more work than I ever thought. But then I thought, you know, recently, you know, after having the baby and after just releasing the book, um, you know, I kind of liken it to childbirth a little bit because, you know, you do all the labor, you go through the pregnancy and you have all these ideas and you're, you're outlining and you're writing down all these ideas and the labor of, of editing and re-editing and, and, and fine-tuning it and releasing it, and then um, you go, wow, I can never, I'm never going to do this again. And then, <laughs> and then that next idea comes, that next inspiration, you know, that 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 next um, kind of idea for a story comes through you, and you're like, okay, you forget, just like how you forget the pain of childbirth, and you're ready to have that second kid. Um, you know, it's the same with. With writing, you know, what, if you're inspired, it's it's just a necessary process that you have to go through, and and I'm and I'm guessing it gets easier with each one because you know it's you just get your flow and your style, but 
it's it's like it's a very difficult process, but it's it's the most rewarding, you know, much like childbirth. <laughs> I I think uh, I, I mean as uh, I think as a, as a woman, you you obviously have recognized that um, sometimes childbirth and and labor can be difficult, but it's like. God gives us this uh, ability to forget. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That Otherwise, you'd never, do, you'd never do it again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. I see these people that, you know, have written, like Deepak Chopra's written, you know, a million books, and I was like, how do they do it? But, you know, it's that that selective memory. You just keep, <laughs> keep going. You keep birthing those inspirational babies. When um, When you were writing... Um, did you create any kind of a, a discipline or a pattern for yourself that made it easier? For instance, some some people will write in the morning when it's really quiet, no one's around, or or they'll take a, a half hour a day and just write. Um, did you do anything like that? Yes, I especially as I was coming out of the fog of that first trimester. You know, I really wanted to. I tend, I tend to be a procrastinator. I was always a crammer in high, in high school and college where I'd, you know, cram the night before and regurgitate it all the next morning, and then I wouldn't retain any of the knowledge. <laughs> but it worked for me, um, and I got good grades. But um, so I just I, – I didn't want to procrastinate, and I wanted to set out a time. And I know I'm much – I'm a morning person. I get, you know, oftentimes starting at like 3 a.m., my best ideas. So um, I blocked out, you know, from – I wake up at like 6 a.m. and I block out from 7 to 9. I just I wouldn't allow myself to go on social media. I wouldn't allow myself to read emails, respond to emails, and I just sat down in front of my computer and wrote from 7 to 9. And then, you know, I entered the real world at about 9, 9 a.m. And did you work with um, an editor as well? Did you find that that was helpful? I did. You know, I hired a ghost writer in the sense that she was, she actually ended up being more of an editor because I wanted someone to handhold. I had so many questions because this is my first time writing and, you know, it can be overwhelming um, getting the structure down and knowing where to start and, and, you know, bouncing ideas off someone. So um, she couldn't write the book. For me, she couldn't write sections because it was all in my head, and that, and I had done, you know, I had umpteen million hours of interviews with these experts. But she was very helpful in keeping me structured, keeping me on a timeline, giving me feedback, um, and then tweaking it as an editor um, little parts to make it more cohesive. It was super helpful. For for writers, I know sometimes um, when they when they write. The manuscript, uh, they feel they're done. Uh, did you find that you were doing rewrites, or you made you had insights or inspiration that changed things? Yeah, it was it was really tough because it was based on the film, and I had 18 hours of interviews, and only you know an hour and a half ended up in the film, and so I had so much rich knowledge um, to, to weave and. And part of me struggled with, okay, you know, I was basing it off of knowledge that I had gained um, in interviews I had done two years prior. 
And, you know, part of me wanted to open up Pandora's box and do new research and get the latest and greatest information in there. Um, even though, you know, the information from two years ago is quite applicable still, I was just, like, struggling, like, oh, I want fresh, new, hot-off-the-press information, and I, I didn't allow myself to do that, because if I cracked that open, you know, the book would be, it would never end, and it would be, you know, 2,000 pages long. So um, I, did a, I did a lot of rewrites, but I really, I knew in my mind that I didn't, if I, you know, if I was worried about perfectionism, which is a problem of mine, um, that I would never release anything and I would never let it go. So I, I really just, um, I just tried to kind of not do more than two or three passes at any given section and just like let it go. You know, I did two, one or two like major rewrites of, and, and restructuring of, of sections and then I just, you know, finally got into a groove and just let it go. Wow. Well, th- I am so glad that you took the time, had the energy and the inspiration to do it because the book is uh, three times the content of the film and uh, in terms of word count, and it's it's an amazing book. We are talking with uh, Kelly Noonan-Gores, our author of the book Heal, and um, we were going to, to talk a little bit about uh, stress and uh, physical stress, chemical stress, emotional stress, and and how we can stay in balance and how does stress affect our immune systems. Yes. Um, so stress, all the experts in the film agree that stress is what takes us to the doctor 95% of the time. And, um, you know, that takes into account three different types of stress, which is emotional chemical and physical Um, and you know chemical is going to be the toxins in our food the toxins in our environment Uh, physical is obviously injury stress uh, injuries and uh, emotional is going to be stress caused by you know our subconscious belief systems and our beliefs about life and you know our relationships and, and all of the things that cause us emotional stress so um Stress, basically, you know, we have this built-in stress response in our nervous system, which is a major, major survival mechanism, right? Um, It's called fight or flight. And, um, you know, if we sense a threat in our environment, which used to be, you know, a bear or a saber-toothed tiger or whatever back in the day, um, our body would go into fight or flight mode and we would shut down energy that was going to our immune system and our digestive system and our higher brain centers, and we'd use all of that energy. We'd, we'd pull all that energy from all those systems and functions and put them into our muscles uh, to fight for our life or run as fast as we can. So what's happening now is there's no more, you know, for the majority of us, there's not wild animal threats in our environment that are going to kill us. But we have all these perceived threats in our environment, whether it be financial, you know, these bills that are coming that we can't keep up with, um, an, an angry, toxic boss, um, you know, a, a, you know, a disloyal partner, um, you know, problems with your children. All of these things are causing our body to go into that stress response on a chronic 
basis. So what's meant to be um, a response that we're, you know, in for maybe 20 minutes to an hour to escape danger, uh, we are now in a 24-hour stress cycle. And what that does is it's constantly taking energy from our, you know, healing systems, basically our elimination systems, our digestive systems, and most importantly, our immune system. We're, we're taking energy from those systems that should be cleaning up our body, repairing, regenerating, eliminating toxins, um, digesting our food, etc. And we're fueling our fight or flight response um, to these perceived threats uh, that really aren't life-threatening. It's just a perception based on our subconscious belief system. So um, chronic stress is really killing us, and it's, it's wearing down our bodies, and it's not allowing us to heal. It's getting in the way of our healing mechanism. So stress really is a major, major culprit, um, and, and, you know, it's true. There's pathogens in our environment. There's, there's real toxins. There's real viruses and bacteria and parasites, and all of those things are real, but um, if we are not stressed, if we are completely healthy and all of our systems are operating on, you know, full speed ahead, we are able to fight those things off. We are able to um, eliminate them from our system. But if we're under stress, you know, our systems are compromised, our natural defense mechanisms are compromised, and we're more susceptible to these things. So stress really does, um, whether it's the direct cause or the indirect cause, you know, it's, it's causing a lot of illness and disease. That's a, a wonderful summary because I know um, that <clears throat> thoughts and beliefs and emotions do have a, a tremendous effect on our ability to heal and on our health. Um, have you found for yourself uh, or do some of the authors in the book talk about ways to help change our thoughts or our beliefs? so that we're not impacting ourselves adversely. Yeah. Um, so there's all these, you know, tools, and there's, there's a lot of kind of practitioners out there that can help us remove past trauma, um, you know, get down into our, you know, through hypnosis perhaps, go back and heal past trauma that has now led us to have kind of a negative disempowering belief about life, you know, whether we were abandoned by a parent when we were a child and now we have a belief that we're not lovable. Um, you know, there, there, things like hypnosis, there's people that can go back and help us heal that past trauma, heal our inner child and, and create a new, more healthier belief. But I think the most effective, um, are just daily practices. And I, for me, meditation has been a game changer and, and what that does is you know, we accumulate all this stress in our mind, and we talk about it in the film. We we wash off the stress of the day, the dirt of the day, every day in a shower or bath, you know, or, or every other day if you're a water conservationist. Um, but we don't ever, you know, we don't have mental hygiene, and it's just as important. We need to... We need to have some sort of practice, a daily mental shower in the form of meditation where we're releasing the accumulated mental stress of the day, the thoughts, the, you know, and, um, and so I practice meditation every day and what it does is it creates space. Um, it releases that built up tension so that when I, um, wake up the next day, I have a bigger vessel. I have a lot more space 
in order to not be triggered. Um, and then, you know, that's just the, the stress aspect of meditation. And, and when you're meditating, it drops you into the parasympathetic nervous system, um, which is where you heal and rest and repair. So it's, it's the complete opposite of fight or flight. So meditation um, on so many levels is healing. And then, you know, the last aspect of it is once you, once you daily practice of quieting your mind and releasing this accumulated stress, you create much more space and you go deeper and you're, you actually can allow your intuition, your higher self, your, your inner guidance to come forth through the chatter of your brain, you know, your mind chatter. So you quiet the mind. Um, not only does it drop you into the healing response, but it allows your intuition and your guidance um, and your higher truth to come forth and, and offer you guidance, you know. Is, is meditation um, hard to, to, to do or to get into? I think meditation is easier than ever. There's so many apps now that offer free um, guided meditations. And I think I encourage everybody to start there. You know, someone can guide you through, through relaxing music and, and a calming voice, guide you through to take you out of your head and into, you know, drop you into your heart and slow down your brain waves. So start there. Um, and then I, I recommend further to actually take a meditation course from an accredited teacher, which is what I did. Once you take a course, um, you learn you learn about the effects. So it has, once you assign more meaning to how really powerful meditation is, then you'd be more likely to stick to your practice. So start with guided and then maybe actually take a course. Thank you, Kelly. Um, it's, uh, we're coming up on a break now and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, some of the key factors that contribute to good health talking a little bit about meditation and uh, what a positive effect that can have on our health. And <clears throat> Kelly wanted to address um, some of the uh, key factors uh, for radical remission and the, key, the nine key factors to good health. Yeah, so um, there's a woman in the documentary. She is a researcher, um, PhD. Her name is Kelly Turner. And she was fascinated by radical remission cases. She, she thought somebody should be studying what these people who were essentially sent home to gather their affairs in order and say goodbye because there was nothing else that Western medicine could do for them. They all had late-stage, end-stage cancer. Um, she found 1,500 cases of people that were sent home to die, and they healed. So she said, you know, we should be studying these people and find out what they're doing and then re, you know, doing that, teaching that. So um, what she determined, you know, what she discovered is that they all did a version uh, of these 1,500 cases, they all did a version of these nine things. And what stuck out to me the most was that of the nine, only two were physical and the rest were mental, emotional, and spiritual. And to me, even though her research applies specifically to cancer, um, it, to me, it really, really rings true that it, it, those nine factors apply to any chronic disease, any um, chronic disease. So those, the, I'll, I'll just rattle them off right now. And, again, you can go to HealDocumentary.com, get the book, get the movie, and, and, and dive deeper. Uh, you can also get her book, Radical Remission. But um, the number one thing is radically changing your diet. 
The second is using herbs and supplements. The third is taking control of your health. The fourth is following your intuition. Fifth is releasing suppressed emotions. The number six is increasing positive emotions. Number seven is embracing social support. Number eight is deepening your spiritual connection. And number nine is having strong reasons for living. So, again, you know, we, it really just shows that um, if you want to heal from anything, you know, you've got to approach it from a mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical approach. And, and I think, you know, diet, um, radically changing your diet and using herbs and supplements, I think that's the foundation. I think what we put, we are, we truly are what we eat. Um, so we want to eat foods as close to nature intended them as possible, not out of a box, but, you know, out of the earth, organic, <laughs> local, and in season. Um, and then, you know, really the power of emotions is embraced here because we want to release suppressed emotions. And, and every expert in the film agrees that, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of times when people don't heal, um, they're holding on to regret or resentment. So they're either holding on to anger at um, another person for having wronged them or they're holding on to anger and shame for something that they did or did not do uh, at themselves. And this is debilitating and this is why forgiveness also shows up a lot um, as a crucial step for healing. So that, that's part of releasing suppressed emotions. Um, and then, you know, back to... The laughter aspect, increasing positive emotions, positive emotions release healing chemistry in the body, um, and, and negative emotions do the opposite. So if we're holding on to anger and resentment or regret and shame, those things are going to get in the way of our healing process. So it's fascinating. Again, this is real legitimate scientific research that she has done to show that, you know, we really need to um, approach healing from a holistic uh, you know, a holistic approach. It, 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 um, it reminded me too um, uh, the author uh, Eben Alexander, uh, who did the book Proof of Heaven. Um, he uh, talks about how uh, people were praying for him when he was in a coma, and it was his little son, I think, was like a nine year old son who really wanted his father back. And uh, to have a strong reason for living that you mentioned, number nine, uh, that was literally uh, when he would, when Evan Alexander was basically brain dead, according to the doctors, uh, he popped up awake. Yeah. And it was that little boy's prayer. Oh, I know. Heart-wrenching. But look, yeah, exactly. If you have that, you know, that pull for life, that, Life force, you know, it gives you a lot of energy. You can feed off that passion or the love that you have for your family or your kids. That can drive you to, um, you know, that can give you a lot of life force energy. How does um, community play a part in healing? Community is everything, actually. And, and ultimately, and this is a much bigger conversation from perhaps round two of this radio show, um, but, you know, ultimately what I found is, is healing is really spiritual. It comes down to having a belief and a faith um, that life 
you know, God, whichever term you want to put it, the universe has your back. It's always working for you and never against you. And disease is, you know, a wake-up call to get you back in alignment with your highest purpose and your highest self. Um, you know, and community is a big part of that because the Western model where every system in the body is separate and specialized and, you know, um, based on Western medicine came about, you know, based on separation and competition of Descartes and Darwin and these philosophies. And what we really need to come back to is this whole holism, which is community. We are all connected. We are all one. And, um, you know, separation competition, it's, it's, you know, it's manifesting in our bodies where, you know, a cancer cell is going rogue. It's separating from the greater community. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of symbolism here, but community is everything. And, and that's also represented in, in one of her nine factors is social support. You know, there's scientific, again, evidence that shows that people, cancer patients that go to social support groups have a 50% longer um, survival rate. So, you know, embracing, you know, love, connection, community, all of these things are tremendously healing and, um, you know, it's represented in our body as well and, and the way that we should approach our healing come from holistic, you know, realizing that all of our, even our systems and our cells and our body are, are in community and to get them back working together, you know. That makes sense. It makes it makes total sense. Um, I know when when we chose a mission statement for Beyond Words, um, we chose the the phrase "inspire to integrity," and the word in, "integrity" for us came from the word "integration" to recognize that we are one humanity in the world. And, and in order for all of us to survive and thrive in the future, um, ultimately we need to come together as one, and not only would the world be a healthier place, but as you say, uh, having community, having love and connection allows all of us to have healthier and uh, better lives, mm-hmm. and to it's empowering and allows us to contribute. And I, I want to thank you, Kelly, for being our guest today. Again, uh, Kelly's the author of the book Heal and co-producer of the film of the same name. And uh, you can find uh, uh, Kelly's book and uh, her film at HealDocumentary.com. Uh, this is Beyond Words Radio, and it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you today, Kelly. Thank you so much.